you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. We will get to Joshua before the year is over, I promise you, amen? But I must preach the theme of our year uh, today and uh, excited about doing so because I believe this is of God that we get a greater vision of Him, amen? You know, a lot of people get a greater vision of growth and a greater vision of a, a greater preacher or a younger preacher in our case or something, but I want to tell you something. What we stand in need of more than anything else is to see God and to worship the living God. I've been in services where I didn't worship God, and that's a shame and a disgrace that we'd ever come to church and not worship God. Think about it for a second, amen? We worship the choir, we worship music, we worship the preacher. We worship ourselves because we're saying, hey, if I can just get out of here, I've done my little religious duty, and I put God on manageable terms, 30 minutes. And I want to tell you something, He is God. He is Lord. And folks, He's called us, as He's called Isaiah, to get a greater vision of Him in 2020. A greater vision, that's our theme, greater vision of Him in 2020. And then a greater vision of what He wants to do in and through our lives. So I'm going to be preaching Isaiah chapter 6 on how to get that vision. And when you get that vision, what it will do to you. And uh, he's holy. Uh, I was trying to find the doxology in the song book. I used to think that was the most boring hymn I ever read, uh, sung in my life. And that's how immature I was. Because I'm going to tell you something, friend. It's not about how uh, it makes us feel. It's what the song says about him. Amen. And he's holy. Trice holy. And we'll see this in the text. So I'm really excited. I don't know if I'll get through this. I'm going to have to finish tonight. Brother Jason's going to preach a brief message and some that didn't get to preach Tuesday because we ran out of time because I could not interrupt Brother Gary Ledford. I was going to preach, I was going to let him preach 20 minutes and when he started preaching, I said, I got I to go to the end. And uh, it was a great message on the peace of God. That was recorded because he was, in, he was in the hospital all week. He ended the year in the hospital. He started the year in the hospital. You pray for him. And God gave him three months to live in March, so God's, God's helped him. Amen. In choir, you were outstanding. Uh, had more in a choir Tuesday night than we did this morning. I don't know where they all went, probably out of town or sick. But I'll tell you what, that was a great choir. Uh, Brother Randy, I appreciate you staying here at the midnight hour. And all of you that uh, stay. I think we had 60 stay uh, and uh, to, the, to the midnight hour. Had a great congregation for the, for the first service. And a lot of people left after they ate. Sounds like a Baptist, don't it? If I hadn't been pastor, I'd have left after I ate. But no, not really. Uh, but it was, it was good. And uh, we, we had a plenty of desserts, plenty of desserts. A little slim on the soup, but we had plenty on desserts, amen? So I'm pushing soups next year, amen. Now, February 9th, we're going to have our anniversary Sunday. Our actual date of starting is February 4th, and we can do either the first or second. And I get tired of people saying that we are counseling service for the Super Bowl. So I'm going to show them this year. We're counseling service for nothing. Amen, because we're going to have it on afternoon service on the 9th, but it's the only time I could get Brother Kurt LeBeau. And he's going to sing and sing and sing and preach. And uh, I want to tell you something, folks. He sees him who is invisible. I love that man of God. He's really wonderful. Now, young people, you ought to go to the activity next, next Saturday. If you don't ever get out, you're never going to meet anybody else of like faith. Ask Adam if it pays off to go to a camp or to an activity. Amen. You might meet Mr. Perfect. I doubt it, 
but you might, amen? I ain't seen Mr. Perfect yet, amen? Uh, you might m meet Mrs. Perfect, but I want to tell you something, bro. Uh, it's a good place to meet young people that are like faith, doing the same thing, have the same mind. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying we matchmake around here, but it wouldn't do a bit of uh, harm for some of you young people to have some godly companions one day. I mean, marry right. Amen. Because if you marry wrong, you're going to be miserable the rest of your life. And so uh, I, I push fellowship. Amen. I push marriage. I'm, I'm glad I'm married. Praise God, I've been married 47 years, six, five, four, a uh, long time, amen. It's 1973, I'll never forget that, amen. I, my math's real bad, but, uh, but I'll never forget that day. No, it was 74. <laughs> okay, amen. All right, moving right along. Uh, Isaiah chapter six, let's all stand in the word of God. I get in trouble when I start meddling. Let's just preach. This morning I had to preach a three-minute message to South Africa because they're ordaining uh, one of the preachers there, and uh, he was my translator while I was in South Africa, and he wanted me to do the challenge to the church in three minutes. And I'm going to tell you something. That stressed me out. I am not preaching three minutes this morning. Ever again. Ever again. 33 minutes is my limit. All right. In the year King Uzziah died, Folks, you ought to benefit from people that go to heaven. Because it says this, I also, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Would you underline that? And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. That was one of the angels. I always misinterpreted that and thought it was God's voice. And the house was filled with smoke, the glory of God. And then said I, Woe! is me, for I'm undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, listen to this now, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the servants, and to me having a live coal in his hand, um, which is taken with the tongues from the, off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sins purged. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell his people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and, 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 and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be waste without inhabitant and the houses without man and the land be utterly des desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it 
shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a till tree, and an oak whose substance is in them, when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. You may be seated as I pray. Father, if we've ever needed a greater vision of you in these tumultuous, perilous, dark times, Lord, we need you now. And God, I pray that you'd enlarge our vision and enlighten our minds and hearts to see you high and lifted up. God, to see you holy, holy, holy. God, help us this morning not to be distracted by messages from out of this world. God, but help us to be attracted by the messenger who came to this world. God, help us not to be distracted by things that are, that are, are trivial and temporal. But God, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, search our minds, search our hearts, and God, help us to realize our motive for being here. And God, help us to tune in and have a full attention to your word. God, help us to reverence you by our attitude towards preaching the word of God. May we fear you, and that means reverence you, dear God, with holy fear that you know our thoughts, you know the intents of our hearts. God, you know why we are what we are. And God, for your glory, make us like Isaiah, a useful servant. Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. You know, the young Isaiah found an opportunity to serve God, and in Isaiah chapter 5, he was pronouncing five woes, six woes upon Israel. Woe of materialism, and you can go through that study, the woe of calling evil good and good evil. That's what the world's doing today, isn't it? Amen, just calling whatever they want to call evil and whatever they want to call good, good, and what they need to do is let God call it. Amen. And he's just a preaching up a storm. And God knew that Isaiah needed to be humbled. God knew that he needed to be stirred with a sense of urgency. God knew that he needed some comfort because his hero, King Uzziah, had died. And King Uzziah had uh, done great things uh, for the country economically, uh, militarily, he'd strengthened the military. And uh, everything was prospering. Unemployment was down. I mean, the economy was good because King Uzziah was leading this country right. But then he made a mistake. He decided he was too big for his britches. He decided he was going to take the place of the priests, and it shows the flaw of his character was prideful. And he was full of self-importance. And so, shockingly, he had forced his way into the temple and he assumed the role of a priest. And God-appointed intercessor would not be replaced by a politician. And our hope is not in the White House. Our hope is in God's house. And folks, usurping the position of a priest was a very serious offense in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord afflicted Uzziah with leprosy. And he was forced to live in isolation until his death. And folks, I want you to know when the king died, the Lord said, I've got to help Isaiah. I've got to help Isaiah by giving him a greater vision of me. 
And I want to say this, friend, you'll never be a servant of God until you realize who you're serving. You'll never worship God until you realize who you're worshiping. And then you'll never live for God until you realize that God is God and He is to be exalted in your life. If you are in sin today, it's below your dignity. God has called you to be holy. And I'm not talking about holier than thou, but I'm talking about holy like thou. I mean, God wants you to be like Jesus. And folks, we'll never be like Jesus until we awaken His presence. But until then, we ought to sin less. And we ought to be one that magnifies God. So I want to give you a few things about what will happen when you get a greater vision of God. Number one, you need to get a greater vision of God because that vision pictures Him as exalted and majestic. Look at verse 1. And the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Would you underline the word throne in your mind or in your heart if you have a highlighter circle it? High and lifted up. Listen to this. And his train filled the temple. Now, young people, that's not the train you ride on. Uh, his, his train wasn't in the temple. But that was the flowing robe that uh, it was so lengthy and, and, uh, that, that it filled the whole temple. Uh, he was sitting on his throne. Uh, his train did fill the temple. That meant he was royalty. And let me just say this. The greatest tragedy of a man today is when you lose your sense of eternity in your heart and your mind. Let me repeat that. The greatest tragedy today is when you lose the sense of eternity and you lose the sense of eternal value of God and you live just for yourself. It's a tragedy. For the world, for the fulfillment of the lust of the flesh, for your career, for money, for pleasure, for sports, for whatever you're going to live. Folks, I'm going to tell you something, friend. It's a tragedy if you don't live for eternity. Because one day, you're going to be there. And one day, you're going to be there and look back on your life at the judgment seat of Christ, and you'll find out these 70 or 80 or 90 years, Lord willing, was just a drop in a bucket compared to eternity. Why does people live for 70 years when you can live for eternity? Eternity ought to be your value. Eternity ought to be your focus. But folks, not just eternity because you're going to heaven. There we are being selfish again. All we want to do is have a cabin on the side of the hill of, of glory. There's not going to be any cabins. There's going to be mansions. Amen? We in the world wrote that song ought to be shot. No, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Folks, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Folks, Duncan Campbell said this, Revival is the awareness of the presence of God. Let me just back up and say that one more time. Revival is the, is the awareness of the presence of God. I don't know exactly a, a, a better definition than revival. It's not a series of meetings. It's not good singing and good preaching. It's not coming to the altar every time uh, the altar call and you, if you need to, go ahead. But folks, it's awareness of the presence of God in your everyday life. Get a vision. God is to be exalted. You are created for one reason. You are sustained for one reason, and you were saved for one reason, His glory. You're saved to get, get a ticket to heaven. And I'm glad I'm going to heaven, and I got saved when a preacher was preaching on hell. Yes, sir. I got scared of going to hell. Pretty good reason to get saved. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's a great calling in your life. 
And they say, exalt the Lord God. Why are you here? I'm paying my religious duty. It's first Sunday of the year, and I felt like it was best, about the best thing I could do. Well, it really is. But folks, if you're here for any reason less than the best reason, and that's to exalt God, you're here for the wrong reasons. Why do we go to Sunday school? We want to be more like Jesus to exalt God. Why do we study our Bible? Why do we read the Bible through every year? Why do we pray? Folks, there's one ultimate reason, and that is one day we're going to give account to God. Folks, accountability becomes real when you're awakened to a clear vision of God. It's called the fear of God. It's not the fear of God can kill you any minute. He could. and Maybe he should. All of us. But folks, it's reverence. Now, I'm a country, uh, I went down to Claxton, uh, Georgia in a country place to train. And I want to tell you something, friend. Those farmers were godly people and they believed uh, that only God could raise those crops and they had a, a, a touch of God upon their lives. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to realize that God's real and nothing is going to happen in your life worthwhile until you realize the author and finisher of your faith is God. Amen. So number one, we need to realize that He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. And the greatest tragedy of your life it's when you bring him down to manageable terms and you try to handle him instead of you letting him handle you. You try to manage him instead of him managing you. The tragedy is that you live for yourself instead of the Savior that saved you, the sovereign God that created you and sustained you. It's a tragedy. Number two, we see a vision not only of exaltation and majesty, but we see a vision of holiness and glory. Look at verse 2. Don't you love to study the Word of God? Amen. I love it. Verse by verse, can't get any better. Above it stood the seraphims. Now, what were the seraphims? They were angels-type beings. And by the way, 6,000 later, years later, if you'll go to Revelation 4, they're still doing the same thing. They're still crying, holy, 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 and their cries are shaking the temple foundation. Not God's cry. It said, the, it said the voice of him that cried. And him that cried was those seraphims. But look at this. And one cried, listen. And, and above, above it stood, the, above the throne, above the temple, above the presence of God, a seraphim. Each one had six wings. Isn't that an unusual creature? With twain, he covered his face. Two of them, he just covered his face. And two of them, in twain, he covered his, his feet. He's flying, and with twain, he did fly. So two of them's over his face, two of them's over his feet, and he's only got two, but it's enough circling that throne. And folks, it's very important what they were crying. And folks, it's very important that God said exactly what they said about those seraphims. Number one, uh, two of the wings covered their face. You know what that stands for? Humility. They couldn't even look on him. Unworthiness. Some people cop out and say, well, I'm just not worthy to go serve God. I'm so proud of our young people yesterday. I took them door to door 
knocking on Brother uh, um, Larry Reimer's neighborhood. I think he ran all the kids out of that neighborhood. I don't know where, where they were. but They were going door to door. It was such a blessing to see those young people go door to door for that bus route. And I mean, they worked hard. Old Ben and um, Wesley on one side of the road and Thomas and Andrew on the other side of the road. What was, you, what was you doing? I was right in the middle of the road supervising them. Praise God. Amen. I knocked on doors for 46 years. I said, praise God, it's about time somebody else knocked on some. And they did a wonderful job. They were smiling door to door. And I, th- I, I, I thank God for that. But I want to tell you something. They wasn't serving me. And they wasn't serving you. They were serving a great God. And folks, yes, we're unworthy to serve God. They had their hands over their eyes. And then two of them had, uh, and then two of the wings covered their feet. And I think that's an indication they weren't worthy to stand before the Lord. That He's God. And then two of them, they were flying with. They were hovering, circling the throne. That speaks of the ministry of proclaiming God's holiness and glory. It speaks of this, ready to undertake the task assigned. Folks, they were saying, holy, holy, holy. Threefold proclamation emphasized that God is the Holy One. Thank God. And folks, He's God. And uh, folks, I want to tell you, the Bible gives us a trinity in this chapter. I'll give it to you next Sunday. He said, who will go for us? He said, who will go for us? Who shall I send? And who will go for us in verse 8? Who's us? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Say amen. amen. JWs, you don't believe in the Trinity, you're lost. That's right. Islamic people, you don't believe in the Trinity, you're lost. Because I want to tell you something, he's trice holy, he's God the Father, he's God the Son, and he's God the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's three in one. I can't figure it, but I, I believe it. Say amen. Folks, I want you to know he's holy. He's twice holy. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. What's holy mean? It means set apart. What's holy mean? It means distinctive, different, transcendent. That means there's only one like him. And folks, I want you to know this. You are worshiping and serving a holy God. He's set apart. When you're holy, you're set apart. When something's holy, it's a set apart activity. Folks, it means perfection. It means purity. It means moral cleanliness. The Lord is totally set apart, entirely different from all beings through the universe, including us. He's God. And from the very presence of God flows a blazing light of perfection and purity. Folks, we serve a living God. but We serve and worship a holy God. A holy God. That's awesome to think about. Folks, when you come in this place, God knows your heart. And I want to tell you this, friend. You can't come wassaying in this place, living like the devil the week before and think you can worship God. Maybe we ought to have the altar call at the first of the service so we can worship God. 
And folks, I want to tell you something. Some people can't even pay attention for 30 minutes because they're so preoccupied with Facebook. You ought to get your face in his book. I think I'll tweet that, praise God. Hallelujah. You ought to get your face in his book, but you ought to set your face towards his face. Amen. Come in here looking at other faces and don't come in here. And I know ladies, y'all take a lot of time getting y'all's face straight. Right. We men, we just come naturally ugly. <laughs> and I appreciate that about ladies. Amen. I mean, you, you know, you, you come into the house of God, you ought to get it decent. That didn't come out right. You ought to, <laughs> you, you ought to be pretty. Pretty as you can be. Amen. And I appreciate my wife. She's, she's kept herself real good. I've been down, gone downhill for many years, but she still puts up with me. But I got two hairs on my head. I'm going to place them exactly like I ought to place them, and I'm going to spray them in place. Praise God. <laughs> but folks, you ain't here to look at my face, and you're not here to look at other faces, and you're definitely not here for somebody to look at your face. Amen. We're here to look at his face. And folks, the last time I checked, he's holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's Lord God Almighty. The very presence of God flows a blazing brilliancy, a most pure light. 1 John 1 5 says it this way. We just went through the book of 1 John, and I don't know about you, but I enjoyed every bit of it. And I think we was in it a year, and I just intended to be in it just a, a few weeks. But 1 John. And uh, that's right before Second and Third John, if you can't find it. But First John one five says this, and we'll get to right right to the point. It said, "This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declared to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth." But we walk in the light as he's in the light and we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But I want to tell you something. God gave Isaiah, the young prophet, the man that was preaching down to everybody, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, a vision of his holiness, a vision of his glory, a vision of his majesty. And then third of all, the Lord gave Isaiah a vision of his power and his presence. If you're taking notes, his power and his presence. Look at verse 4, back in the text. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. I don't see where the Lord's crying there. I've misquoted that many years. Don't you, you know, you, you can learn something after 46 years of preaching. Isn't that amazing? It says, it, it was one of those seraphims crying. The voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. The voices of these seraphims shook the very foundations and lintels of the temple of God. And folks, they were just creatures of servant, of servanthood. I mean, they were 
worshiping the God. And folks, I want to tell you something. You don't have a powerful voice until you voice His Word. And you see Him. And you serve Him. And you look at Him before you look at them in serving God. Isaiah was in a very tough situation. It was going to get rough. And he needed a vision of power and the presence of God. I feel sorry for any preacher that preaches just for them instead of him. You'll get discouraged by the attendance. You'll get discouraged by the lack of attention. Some of y'all can't even stay awake. Y'all need to get a sleep machine. I'm not, I'm not kidding. You really do. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to die on the job. You can't stay awake during this great preaching in this place. No. The Word of God ought to wake you up. The Word of God ought to shake you up. The Word of God ought to bring you to a place of hum, humble adoration to God. Humble obedience to God. Not some little 30-minute commercial of the week. There's a lot of preachers preaching satisfaction, the life of satisfaction instead of the life of crucifixion. Paul preached, I'm crucified with Christ. It wasn't a very popular message, was it? We could have thousands in this place if I just preach a little more satisfaction and no more holiness. I pre if I just wouldn't preach against sin. God called me to preach woe is me and woe is you if we take God for granted. Lord God gave the servants a cry of adoration. Holy! 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 And when they cried out that Adoration of praise, the place shook. And the smoke filled the temple, and that wasn't from Winston's or Marlboro's either. It was a glory of God. Oh, that God's glory would be manifested in this place, realized in this place. Oh, that in every offertory, every musical piece, every choir special, every prayer, and yes, every sermon, that God's glory would be realized. Amen. Not that we'd sit back and say, entertain me if you can, and if you can't, I'll find a church with better entertainment. God help you. God help me. Not to be here just for the flesh. I'm talking about the theme of this year. A greater vision. When you get a greater vision of God, there's going to be one thing that comes out of your mouth. Holy, holy, holy. God, you're worth serving. You're worth dying for. You're worth sacrifice. You're worth sanctification. I want to be holy. I want you to notice, fourthly, the Lord gave Isaiah a vision that brought deep conviction. Deep conviction. And a profound sense of unworthiness. I want to tell you something. When you think you're worthy to serve God, you're in trouble. That's what happened to King Uzziah. He says, hey, I'm king, I'm president. 
I can do what I want to. I'm going to go in there and take the place of the priest. I'm going to offer the sacrifices. I can do it better. God struck him with leprosy. And then he died. And the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's alarm signal. He said, whoa. Look at it, verse 5, we'll, we'll close. I, I'll, I'll take this up next week. It says, then, this is, then said I. Then means after he saw God and saw the seraphim's um, humility, saw the seraphim's cry and heard the cry of holiness, holy, 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 and saw their availability, the circling throne forever and ever. He said, then said I, woe is, say the next word with me, me. In chapter 5, you'll see, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. And now it's changed. It's in woe is me. Folks, I want to tell you what's, what's missing in the local church today. and What's missing in your local home today. What's missing in your family today. Conviction. Conviction. Folks, you need to be alarmed. If you can live in sin in the light of his brilliant holiness. You need to shake yourself to awake to God's holiness. And then when you realize who he is, he's a holy God. Your sin will become filthy. Your sin will become polluted. Your sin will be dishonorable. Your sin will be corrupt. Your sin will be defiling. And you'll see how far short you are of the glory of God. See, we can compare ourselves to the worst sinner we can find. Well, I ain't no mass murderer. Well, I forsake my kids. Well, congratulations. You're not a mass murderer and you're not a sorry daddy. But I'm going to tell you something. We don't compare ourselves with each other. We compare ourselves with the Holy God. He's high and lifted up. He's glorious. He's magnificent. He's brilliant. And, and, and He's glowing with, with goodness. And our sin dishonors God. And really your sin defiles the very reason that you were saved. And I am amazed. I am amazed how people can live in sin and come to church on Sunday and think everything's all right. It'll never be all right until you say, woe is me, and repent. This is a real popular message. There ain't nobody smiling in this place. This ain't the place to smile in this sermon. It's a good place to smile during handshaking. Some of you are smiling because you had hand sanitizer after you shook my hand, so thank God. Amen. I saw you. That's all right. I was looking for some myself. Sin should be exceedingly sinful in the light of His glory. But today, we've lost our blush. And ladies, I'm not talking about that stuff you put on this morning. And I hope none of you men did. 
you have blended in with the world. And somebody else, wickedness, abomination. Come on, it's still, it's still there. So let me close by saying this. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Why did he say that? I'll tell you why. And he says, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That phrase, Lord of hosts, means he's the mighty God. And I just want to close with saying this. He realized, and the Lord put it better than anybody could put it in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 through 37, that our lips notify what's in our heart. Out of the issues of the heart comes these things called words. So he wasn't just saying, hey, I got some bad problem with cussing. I got a bad problem of just taking God's name in vain. He said, I got a problem in my heart. I'm too high and lifted up. I'm too prideful. And I want you to know this, folks. Christ was expressing the truth when he said, out of the issues of the heart cometh words. And that we'll be accountable for every word at the judgment seat of Christ. The Lord never leaves his people with just conviction, though. Aren't you glad? Look at the next verse. And he said, then, then, what's then? Then is after he confessed, woe is me. Woe is my heart. I'm unclean. Isn't that hard to admit that you're sinful? Isn't it hard to admit that you're not okay and I'm not okay? I read a book entitled, I'm okay, you're okay. That was a bunch of baloney. We're not okay. We're sinners and we're saved by the grace of God. It's the only reason we're okay. But I want you to know in closing, these seraphims performed a function of a priest. And they got a burning coal. Now look what happened. It says, And flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which is taken with the tongues from the, off the altar. And listen what he did with it. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. True confession. True repentance brings the mercy and grace and forgiveness to God. And we're cleansed. We're purged. Say amen. I'm not talking about anything about physical. I'm talking about spiritual. My mother used to have her favorite remedy for all sickness. I can taste it now. She'd put it in Coca-Cola. It would burn a good Coca-Cola. It was called castor oil. He, she said, you've got to get it out of your system. Amen. And buddy, did it get out of my system, whatever it was. <laughs> and I want to say this, friend. God has a way of getting sin out of your system. When you say, Lord... Pardon the trite illustration, but I want to say something, friend. When God purges you, you're cleansed, 
and you're forgiven, you have peace. You know why so many people are sad today? They're harboring some sin, but I won't tell you the reason they're harboring the sin. They haven't seen God as holy, holy, holy. But that old seraphim took the place of a priest, and it was all right for him to do it. Uzziah couldn't do it. He brought that live coal upon the altar. And folks, that reminds me when you think about the altar, of the altar of sacrifice. And Leviticus chapter 16, I ain't got time to go there because y'all already left. But I want you to know in Leviticus 16, 11 through 14, there's a substitute sacrifice. But before that, there was a censer full of burning coals always been taken into the most holy place on the Day of Atonement, once a year. And folks, it was taken before the Lord as a high priest and there was an essence of His glory and the Shekinah glory and it was the essence of His Shekinah glory. It was, a, it was a fragrance to God. And those coals were drenched by the blood of the sacrifice. And folks, I want you to know when He took that coal and He placed it on Isaiah's tongue, it was a forecast of the day that Jesus Christ would die on the cross of Calvary, the greatest altar that's ever been erected, the Mount of Calvary, and die for your sins. And folks, the only way to be holy is to realize the holy God took your place. The holy God made the sacrifice, and the holy blood needs to be applied to your sin. But folks, he's not so hard-pressed to use dirty vessels Thank God, friend, I'm going to tell you something. When you see God high and lifted up, you don't play religion. You don't play church. Praise God, you get right with God. Amen. It's not an easy message to start the year off right. It's not some prosperity gospel. It's not you'll be satisfied customer. I'm telling you, friend, the only way you're going to be happy is to be holy. And the only way that you're going to worship God is to see Him as the holy God and stop bringing Him down to your level saying, God, I'll call on you when I need you. He's not a genie in a bottle and He's not a, he's not a cart boy at a grocery store. He's not your servant. You're His servant. Amen. I just want to say this in closing for the fifth time. It's a privilege to serve a holy God. Amen. Amen. It's a joy. I thought about how many times I preached and taught in this church. Going on about 8,000 times, including my 20 years of Sunday school. And it never gets old when I see him. Now, if I just see y'all, it could get discouraging. Some of y'all. Most of y'all, so encouraged the way you listen to the gospel, the way you respond, the way you nod your head and come back up, the way you amen. I'm not looking for all that, but it does help. No, I'm not looking for that. But I'll tell you what, there's something happens when you see the holy God. Look at verse 8. Also, I heard the voice. You start hearing God's voice. You worship in spirit and truth. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then said I, here am I. Send me.
Here am I. Send me. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the holy will of God from the holy God for my life. I'm thrilled that I could be here this morning and be a servant leader of this flock and preach the word of God in spirit and in truth. And I am so disappointed in myself when I strut in here in the flesh and think I can do it. I'm so disappointed in myself. And you're so disappointed in myself. But folks, when God shows up and when God speaks and when He is worshipped and when He is sung about and when He is prayed to and when he is giving offerings of tithes and offerings, there's a holy presence that will change your life. A greater vision in 2020. A greater vision of what? No, no, you got no. It's a greater vision of who? High and lifted up. Holy, holy. Friend, the worst thing you could do is come in here in the flesh and leave in the flesh. The worst thing you can do is try to play that piano for, to impress somebody. Play that organ. Play those instruments. Sing those songs. Preach a sermon in the flesh. Worst thing I could ever do the best thing I could ever do, the best thing I could ever do is in the Spirit do anything God tells me to do. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I believe God gave old Isaiah an attitude adjustment. <laughs> Amen. As he has me reading this and preaching it. And folks, I want to tell you something. It all starts with this. The year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your presence. And I want to thank you for your pure, powerful word that we tried to preach this morning. And I want to thank you, dear God, that I don't have to impress people because, Lord, they ought to be impressed with you. But, dear God, please help us, dear Lord, to get a greater vision of who you are. God, we didn't come here to play church. We didn't come here just to have a meeting. God, we came here to worship you. Lord, I pray that you've been worshipped and that our worship has been pleasing to you. God, help us to examine our hearts now this first Sunday of the year and see if there's any self in there, any sin, any unrepented sin. And God, help us to truly, truly cry out with Isaiah, Woe is me if there's something unclean in our life. God, fill us 
with your spirit. But Lord, you'll never fill us with your spirit if we're occupied with sin. So Lord, purge us, cleanse us, convict us, and forgive us. With every head bowed, every eye closed. First question I must ask on this first Sunday of the year. Please, do you know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? You know that you've been saved by the good grace of God, the finished work of Calvary, the blood of Jesus, and you know you're going to heaven, but one day, thank God, and every day you can live for God's glory of heaven because you're saved. How many are glad you're saved? Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? All over this auditorium, this sanctuary. It's sanctified for worship. Sanctuary. How many glad you're saved? Say amen. I'd like you to stand up and start crying out, holy, 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 but we got an invitation to give, and I don't want you to distract anybody. But if some of you couldn't raise your hand, you'd say, preacher, I don't know if I'm saved or not, but I sure would like to know, and I sure don't want to miss the very ultimate purpose of my life, and that's to glorify God. And you can never glorify Him until you're saved. But you'd say, preacher, please pray for me. I'm not sure, but I want to be. I don't just want to go to heaven. I want to live a heavenly purpose, heavenly peace, and heavenly power on this earth. Please pray for me. You're not sure you're saved. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down? I won't come to you and embarrass you, I promise you. I won't point you out in any way. I want to do the most I can do for you. I want to pray for you. Anyone? Could not raise your hand, but you'd say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. I want to be. Anyone? One heartbeat away from eternity, but one more day wasted for eternity. A tragedy when eternity is not in your heart. It'll never be in your heart till you're saved. Anyone else? Anyone else? Now, have me say, Preacher, I don't want to agree with your little theme for the year because I'm not into themes. And I'm really not either. But God laid this on my heart. But you'd say, Preacher, I am in agreement that I need to get a big, bigger and greater vision of God. And I want that in my life. I want that in my life. And that's your prayer this morning. Would you raise your hand high for prayer? I'll raise both mine. I'm going to raise both mine. I want, a I want a better vision of God. I want every sermon, Brother Randy, to be an act of worship. I want every song that you sing, and you sing good, and I appreciate your faithfulness. I want it to be an act of worship. Anybody else say, Preacher, I want my life to be one that brings glory to God because He is glorious and He is holy. Pray for me. Anybody else? Yes, all over this place. Maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe there's a sin that so easily besets you, and everybody else is doing it, but that don't mean it's right. And you'd say, Preacher, there's something in my life that God has convicted me about that I need to turn from. I need to repent of. I need to confess to God. And confession is not just saying I've sinned and then come back to church saying everything's all right. It's turning from that sin. You say, preacher, there's something I need to get right with God. I want you to pray for me for the grace and power and conviction to do it. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer, anyone? Yes, I see those hands. God bless you, sir. You, sir. God bless you. God bless you for being here. Most people don't even come to church because of sin. 
They want to keep up. They want to live in it so they don't come to church where they get convicted about it. Anyone else? Three's raising their hand. How about you? Anyone else? I try to preach in a hurry, but I never give the invitation in a hurry because I want God to work. And by the way, you'll go home and watch two and a half hours of football. You can, you can be in a service for an hour and a half. Yes, sir. Come on now. Anyone else? Father, God Almighty, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, I pray to Thee to convict us this very moment of how great You really are. Oh, how great Thou art. How great Thou art. How holy Thou art. Oh, God, help us to live with that in mind, with you in mind. May you be glorified through our little lives. God, I give you 2020. I give you every day to do what you want to do in my life and through my life. Lord, you've already opened up some doors this year for this year that I'm amazed at for my ministry, for my life. And I stand humble that you'd call on me to do something like this. God, I pray, Lord, I'd be something like this, not just do. So, Lord, please help these folks that raise their hand to get things right, to live in concordance with the conviction that, that you placed on their heart. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name.